In this episode, we speak with Sar Safra, CEO and co-founder of BeWise. 75% of all the fruit, vegetables, seeds, and nuts that we consume around the globe are pollinated by bees. We're talking for 8 billion people. BeeWise's mission is to help beekeepers pollinate and produce honey by saving their bees, utilizing modern technology. The company has redesigned the beehive with today's technology providing climate and humidity control, pest control, autonomous swarm prevention, automated harvesting, and real-time problem alerts. The company has raised over $120 million from leading investors, including Insight Partners, Corner Ventures, and other notable firms. Sar is a seasoned entrepreneur and has had three successful exits from the five companies he founded prior to BeWise. I'm your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. If you like the episode, click the subscribe. RJ Lumba is the managing partner of GrowthCap and the executive chairman of Market Insight Media. He is the host of Growth Investor, a podcast featuring today's best investors, executives, and founders. In the minutes ahead, we'll uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. Sar, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you for having me. So super excited to talk to you. You are a serial entrepreneur. You've worked with a lot of different organizations. You've been in the tech industry. But my first question is, how does a robotic beehive company end up raising more than $100 million? That's a good question. You know, when you put it that way, it sounds a little bit out of context. But, you know, I have to tell you, RJ, what our company does is actually a huge strategic significant change on the planet at scale. So we're trying to tackle the bee problem, saving the bees at the heart, at the core of the problem, right? Really looking at colony collapse disorder, which is the main issue that we're facing of bees disappearing from the planet, and solve it using deep technology, which is robotics, artificial intelligence, neural networks. And a lot of capital is required for that, not for the actual development of the solution, but to scale it enough to move the needle. Mm -hmm. I can build an amazing unit, an amazing robot that works really well for some small amount of bees, but to change, to move the needle at a global scale, a lot of capital is required. And I got to tell you, 120 is not even close to what we'll need to raise should we really kind of change the planet's trajectory with regards to bees. You know, what's worth touching on is just the impact of the bee, because when one thinks about a bee, it doesn't bring to light what they do for the world in general and the food we eat and just the sheer impact they have globally. So maybe we could touch on that, like the bee's place in the universe. Yeah, you know, it's pretty amazing. It's such a small animal with so much importance, so strategic to our global food supply. So I'll give you a quick stat. You know, RJ, 75% of all the fruit, vegetables, seeds, and nuts that we consume on the planet are pollinated by bees. And that's from China to the US, everything in between for 8 billion people, 75%. Think about what's on our plate three times a day. The bees always there, our cucumbers, tomatoes, avocados, almonds, cotton, coffee, right? Bees pollinate all that stuff. And when I say pollinate, this is not pollination that happens in the field just by chance. This is commercial beekeepers bringing in hives, beehives into the field, into the crop in order to pollinate. 
that takes usually a month, a month and a half, and then they move their hives from one crop to the other to pollinate those crops throughout the year. That's how pollination works. And unfortunately for us, without bees, there is no crop. So if you take avocado or almond or other crops, you can have an amazing soil with great irrigation, good labor, fantastic weather, and a ton of money. If you don't bring in the bees during the month of April to pollinate avocados or during the month of February to pollinate the almonds, there is no crop. It's kind of a step function. You have to pass that level to move on to the next level. And so there aren't many inputs on the planet except for water, land, weather, that widely affect us as the bees, 75% of all the fruit and vegetables. That's significant. Now, this is probably the timely solution for what's happening in the broader environment. So tell us about what happened where the population of bees dramatically declined and how situations like those could if it weren't for your solution, foreshadow fairly dramatic downturns in harvests. First, I'll say that there's a certain ratio of number of bees that one needs to pollinate a certain crop. So it depends on the acres and so on. So you might need a thousand hives or a hundred hives. But if you don't get that number of hives, there's a direct correlation to the outcome, to the crop. So if you need a thousand hives and you get 500 hives, you're probably going to get 50% of your crop. Maybe 60, but there's direct correlation between the input and the output. So that's one thing. The other thing is that today we are losing on the planet 35% of the bee colonies every single year, year over year. 35% of the supply, if you will, right? The demand, we understand what it is, 75% of our fruit and vegetables, but the supply, the bees, 35% of the bee colonies collapse every single year. Sometimes this is referred to as colony collapse disorder, CCD, but regardless how you frame it, the number is very disturbing considering how dependent our global food supply is on the bees. And so this has been going on for the last 30, 40 years. About 40, 50 years ago, the natural colony collapse on the planet was about 2%. So the last 50 years have really brought us from 2% colony collapse to almost 40. In Florida last year, the number was 47% of colony collapses, which is essentially one hive in every two will collapse during the year. And now we just had Hurricane Ian in Florida. That alone devastated almost 400,000 beehives, which is almost 50% of the Florida beehives that exist. It's, it's horrible. So how did you come up with the company? Most people, I don't think, I mean, prove me wrong, are necessarily honing in on bees or the impact they have, or maybe they just didn't know the stat. Was it just not common knowledge of how the decline has been progressing? You know, it's funny when you look at what's going on on the planet, our natural tendency is to think about carbon in the air, rising sea levels, you know, ocean acidification and so on. Not many people know that there's a lot of other secondary impacts that are happening on the planet. Bees is one of them. And so when we looked at what can be done, we realized that, you know, when you think about climate change or ocean acidification or carbon in the air, we know that these effects will happen in 50 to 100 years. We're starting to see them now, but we know the major effects will happen in, in a few decades with bees at a 35% colony collapse every year, in 20 to 25 years, we'll be past the point of no return, mm -hmm. which means you will buy a single tomato once a week 
to celebrate with your family at a Friday dinner. That will be your tomato, right? I mean, it's horrible. It'll cost you a hundred bucks and you know, you'll save money for it. I might be exaggerating, but I mean, that's where we're heading. Point is that when we looked at all these climate change issues, we realized the bees are underserved and they're super strategic. The depth that they really affect us is significant. And it happens to be that my co-founder is a beekeeper. So he actually educated me on all that. I, I'm just here taking the credit, but he's the one that is the subject matter expert. But it really was something that moved us in such a significant manner that we decided we had to do something about it. Got it. And I have to ask about the name, because obviously you probably had a pretty entertaining brainstorming session about the name you chose BeeWise, which is fitting. What were some of the other names that you came up with? Did you see the slogan behind me? <laughs> Very nice. To be or not to be. That's right. Fitting as well. Yeah. We had a lot of ideas, a lot of brainstorming. That's the fun part of starting something new, you know? And it actually wasn't available. We don't even have the .com. The .com is taken for something that is financial. Yeah, but I saw that as .ag. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, we thought it was befitting. Like you're saying, we, we thought we have to be wiser with how we approach this resource, right? The bees. And we believe that the device that we've come up with, the solution, the bee home, which we'll talk about, I hope, is the wiser solution for bees on the planet. It's essentially a better beehive. And once we go into more details, I hope that you'll find the name even more befitting. I mean, let's talk about the, you know, because I viewed it online. It looks exquisite, like how it's actually set up and how you can monitor it remotely. Please tell us more about it. So when we founded the company in 2018, and by that time, there were quite a few solutions in the market that were addressing bees, so to speak, but most of them were sensor-based or more around monitoring and notification of beekeepers. And we realized that the core issue of bees is a timely response. So humans have been growing bees for millennia. We have the know-how on how to grow bees and how to keep bees and how to treat bees. The problem is because beehives are scattered in such vast areas, we humans, we can't treat them in real time. It's always a three, four, five hour truck drive away and we always get there too late or, and you don't know, right? It's, it's a black box in the field. So we've designed a device that actually monitors the bees 24 seven. It's a hive. The bees are in there just like any other beehive, but there's cameras that monitor them and there's a robotic arm and there is artificial intelligence that identifies their needs and treats them in real time. For example, if they need medication, you know, bees, they get sick, right? They have disease just like we do, like the flu. It's a few droplets of medicine that can treat an entire hive in a matter of hours. But if you don't give it on time and you wait three, four, five, six days, you will lose that colony. It's like us. It's like humans, right? If there are pesticides in the field, pesticides is a big issue for bees. If there are pesticides in the field, what happens usually is they get into the hive and then they collapse the entire colony, right? The harmful substances. When our device senses that there's harmful substances around the device, it shuts down the device. Bees can stay in their hive for months. It doesn't bother them. So shutting down the device for 12 hours prevents from the substances to get in and collapse the hive. And the bees are in the field, they'll die anyway. If they're out and about foraging, they'll die. But at least we save the colony itself. That's the biggest thing. Because we're not about saving bees. Bees live for six weeks. That's their lifespan. We're about saving the colony itself, the entire colony. And I can go into more features. The device harvests honey. It splits hives. It combines hives. It does a lot of things. But the point is, we looked at every stressor that actually affects colony collapse. 
and we address that stressor with technology using the artificial intelligence and the robotic arm. And so in terms of your customers, are they the actual owners of the land? Are they farmers? Like, can you tell us a little bit about the variety and customers you have? Yeah, both. So because bees pollinate, the beekeepers themselves keep bees, they grow bees, but they also bring them in for pollination. So we service both parties. We service both the beekeepers. We give them a better tool to grow and manage their portfolio of bees. And they take our devices and put them in the fields for pollination with growers, which enjoy the benefit of the devices, keeping their bees alive. I'll just say one stat that is important to understand here to put things in context. In the industry, we see between 35 to 40% colony collapse across the globe. In our devices, we see less than 8% colony collapse on average. And I'm referring to tens of thousands of hives over the last four years in the fields, not in the lab. So we feel very confident that A, our technology has a significant impact on the bees. And B, you know, from a commercial standpoint, that creates a lot of value because you don't lose so many bees, which are the revenue generating asset, if you will, right? The bees pollinate, the bees produce honey. So the more bees you have alive, the more revenue and the more value they can create for the beekeeper, for the bee grower. And can you give us a sense of the size of the beekeeper industry if you were to aggregate all their revenue globally? From a revenue standpoint, our total addressable market, our TAM essentially is somewhere between 18 to $20 billion a year. That's ARR. Actually, funny that you ask, bees generate half a trillion dollars worth of value every year. So all the foods they pollinate and all the value they create, half a trillion dollars. Specifically, the niche of beekeepers and pollination, if you will, is about $20 billion a year in revenue that we can potentially acquire. Excellent. You've been able to grow and scale fairly quickly from when you were founded. I presume that's a result of the prior experience that you had as an entrepreneur and founding and, and scaling other companies. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and maybe how your journey helped you become better and faster at company setup? I think that helps. Experience helps. You know, it can also hold you back if you kind of carry your scars on the back. It can also. So there's a trade off there. I will say that we were fortunate. Timing was right. You know, up to beginning of 2022, things were really kind of heating up. I think there is a big trend now with regards to climate tech companies, which were the heart of. Remember that every dollar I make, I save 12 Bs, right? So there's no conflict of interest. The more money we make, the more the planet benefits and the more value we create to our shareholders. I think these things helped a lot. I experienced help too. We're in a strategic niche. It's not just a niche. It's a niche that affects every one of the humans on the planet. And so I think these things helped and experience helped too. You know, the experience really comes at how do you set up the company in the right way from the get-go, right? So I don't make mistakes that I did as a first-time entrepreneur, but I do make mistakes that I do today as a six-time entrepreneur. It doesn't mean I don't make any mistakes. I make new ones and I learn all the time, but at least I'm hoping that I'm not making mistakes that I did back in the day. Well, the podcast is premised on growth and growth investors. 
Can you share with us how the investors you decided to partner with have helped the company besides providing the financial capital, but what other ways have they helped you? I have to say, RJ, we're so fortunate to have the investors we have. And I mean that, again, I've seen all types of investors throughout my career, and some were great, some weren't as great. But I'll say that we're fortunate because the first and foremost I see with our investors, they're so passionate about our cause. So when we talk to our investors, they want to know not only how we're doing financially, but what are the impact metrics we follow and how are we doing on those KPIs? And we talk about the Bs. That's pretty incredible to me because a lot of the investors, I use, and even now the existing investors, a lot of them are very financial. We have inside partners, which are really big. But when you hear them talk on our board and our meetings to me, we talk about the Bs a lot, which is pretty amazing to me that my investors really are interested in the core value we create. Remember that our customer is first and foremost the B, because the B has to live in this device. If it's not good for the B, the B will live. Remember that you can fence cattle. You can't fence bees. If they're not comfortable in their home, in their hive, they leave. They just fly away. So every day we have to make sure we do good for the bees. And my investors are interested in that. Now, when you talk about specifically growth, you know, our investors really are not focused on opening up the bee market or the beekeeping market because there's very few investors that are really familiar with the beekeeping market. But when you talk about large growers, strategic growers, when you talk about large companies like Blue Diamond, Olam, and companies like that, that's where our investors are opening the doors, helping us fine-tune the messaging, conveying the value, very much so. And financially, we have a strong board, which really helps us operate the business. Very involved. I talk to them every week. I mean, we have a board meeting once a quarter, but I talk to my investors every single week. And I challenge them. You know, they work for me. They're literally an extension of our brain power of the company, which is incredible. Both the large investors, think about inside partners, up to the smallest ones from series seed, like Lul. They're just there with me by my side. They help wherever they can. If they don't have anything to say, you know, they just let us run. What are the one or two big challenges or what occupies your mind the most where you really have to think through? the decision, whatever it may be? Are there one or two key areas that really is top of mind? Two areas. One, product. Our product, it looks and operates simple, but it's very sophisticated and complex because we have hardware, software, mechanics, optics, plastics, the whole gamut, AI, and so on. And we have a biological model. We have an animal inside our product growing. I mean, how many products are you, do you know that actually grow an animal inside? I mean, that's the complexity level that I didn't know from previous companies. So product is always top of mind and we constantly evolve it and change it and adapt it based on learnings from the market. A. B, I have to say that the current financial market is concerning to me. We're not a profitable company. I mean, we did grow our revenue 15x year over year. So 15 times from year over year. It's still small numbers. We haven't bypassed the $100 million, but we're still growing quickly, but we're not profitable, meaning that we are dependent on external capital, on venture capital, so to speak. We're pretty set for the next couple of years, but still, you know, this financial crisis could be maybe four years long, right? Who knows? It could be six months, but that's something that is in the back of my mind. Remember that 
the founders and the management team have a responsibility. We're 150 employees strong, so we have a responsibility to their welfare and to their living and, and so on. And so that's a lot of burden to carry down market where things are getting worse by the day. That concerns me. And I'd love to understand when we hit bottom and when things start to shine again, just for my own curiosity and for the stress I'm in on a daily basis, you know? Yeah, well, I'm glad you came on the podcast because we do have a lot of investors that listen in. So maybe they can be helpful. And I'm sure you already have a good network as do your investors, but this could probably provide a little bit more info out there. So we're coming up on time. This has been a great conversation so far. I loved it. Last two questions. One is, can you tell us about a book that has had a profound impact on you? Uh, and if that's too serious, you can just provide a book recommendation. I love professional books and business books. So I'm a big believer and proponent of the Lean Startup, which really changed the way I run my business, Eric Ries. But put that aside, the book that has left the most profound impact on me in the last three, four years is Bee Democracy. And it's a book about bees and it's easily consumable. So, you know, you can audiobook it and just listen to it, which is what I did when I commute. But it changed my perspective when you understand how these creatures operate. It's incredible. And when you think about neural networks, which we have a lot, we have different neural networks as part of our artificial intelligence. The bees operate in a neural network. The bees, the single bee, doesn't matter. They operate as a whole, as a, as a, as a model. That book really left a very strong impression on me. I recommend it to anyone, even if they're not the bees world or understand about bees or work with bees. It changes how you think. Right. Curious, are you familiar with the Farmers Business Network? Are they... Okay. Okay. How relevant is it? It would seem on the surface, it's highly relevant. First of all, we share investors. Our Series B investors also led their Series B corner ventures, but it is relevant for us to access the farmers. So there's some collaboration there. Okay, great. I know Amol over there and he's fantastic. Okay. Last question. Can you tell us about someone you admire? It doesn't necessarily have to be in business. Until recently, used to admire, like everybody, Elon Musk, but something's going on there. So uh, I'm still a big admirer and a big follower, but not sure I agree with recent events. Again, like I said, I read all the business books like everybody else. My shelves have all of them from, you know, free economics to, you know, all of these books. And so I'm 47. So I kind of I'll talk about folks that are a little bit from back in the day, you know, Steve Jobs and the Google folks. I model myself or I try to model myself, you know, after them, you know, thinking about product and how to build a company, how to run meetings. Lived in Seattle for 15 years. So Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, you know, you live in Seattle, you're like Microsoft and Amazon, you're right in the middle. So them too, I think, did a great job over the years. These are my heroes. Excellent. Well, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you, Sar. Thank you, RJ. Appreciate it. And if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out. Excellent. 